Good morning. It is a very good morning, the second week of Advent, a season when we focus on the approaching of Christmas, but with an emphasis on the not yet. As we go about our days and the world is increasingly caught up with the spectacle of Christmas, our season of Advent draws us away from the clamor and invites us into spiritual examination, meditation, and preparation not only for the celebration of the Christ child, but for the breaking forth of the very kingdom of God. And so with all of that spiritual framework in mind, I thought I would start this morning by telling you what I want for Christmas. (laughs) And no, it's not some deep spiritual desire. It is a plain old material object. It's a camera. Both as a hobby and as a student photographer at the seminary, I get a great deal of joy and a little bit of pocket money in my life from photography. And I have to say that I'm getting pretty good at it. Maybe too good for my current camera. So maybe it's time for an upgrade. Maybe that uh, some of you in here also suffer from this same burden of genius. Uh, it's, it's, it's a cross to bear for sure. And I won't do any product endorsements up here, but suffice to say, I have a long list of very suitable and insanely out of my price range options that I've spent a fair amount of time researching. But the other night I was starting to feel a little bit bad about coveting something so materialistic. And so I got thinking about what it was I was really after. Not why this camera or that camera, but why a camera? Why photography at all? And of course, it is about capturing a little piece of the world around you, tuning in to light and color and gesture at just the right moment, and then holding that and keeping it with you indefinitely. In a word, it's about beauty. It's about the beauty of creation. But that beauty is in fact free, or at the very least does not require an expensive camera to be had. It's available all around us. It is part of God's gift to us in creation. And the cost of having this beauty is not a new device, but a reorientation of self, the lens we look through at all times. And it may be that this true beauty is actually more accessible without the camera. But that deep desire for something like beauty that is always at hand and yet just out of reach is for me a lot like the experience of Advent an experience borne witness to in our readings for today, in our prayers, in our music, and in our season. It's a time set aside to pause at the threshold, to stand in the borderland between the world as it is and the world as it really is. On the one hand, the world as we know it through our experiences with all of its flaws and all of its tragedies and difficulties, and the world as we have it revealed to us by scripture and by faith. The contrasts between this broken and unjust world and the kingdom of God stand as a serious challenge to anyone who walks a journey of Christian faith. But our sustenance comes from moments when the distance between the two worlds dissolves and we see that there is only one reality. There are certain places throughout the world where people have experienced this unity between the world as it is and the world as God intends it. 
These are often called thin places, a term that refers to the thinness of the barrier in between. But we also have thin times. In our common worship life, Christmas and Easter are set aside as thin times, times to see the coming glory as already arrived. But it takes work to experience this thinness, and that work, that cost, is reorientation of ourselves. This is the work of Advent. This is the work of preparing the way of the Lord in our hearts. And it is the work that John the Baptist is preaching in our gospel reading from today. The baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins is a baptism of reorientation, not only in how we see things, but how we act in the world. And if our reading were to continue into the gospel from where it leaves off this morning, we would see that the follow-up to these earliest days and earliest words of John's ministry involve the newly baptized coming to him and saying, now what? Now that we've been baptized, how do we live? How are things different? And he gives them very specific instructions. He says, those of you who have two coats should share with someone who has none. Those of you who are tax collectors should collect no more than is owed. In other words, no matter where you find yourself situated in this world, in this society, there are acts of discipleship that you are now to go and do. It's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all discipleship. It is a discipleship that meets us where we are and demands our best, demands our reorientation. But in the struggle to live into that, being in the world as the baptized, we are drawn into a place of contradiction once again. The world as it's been revealed to us, announced to us, promised to us. We've seen it in the incarnation at Christmas. We've seen it in the resurrection at Easter. And here we find ourselves at Advent again, announcing it, proclaiming it, living into it. The tension between that world and the world that we move through every day. This between zone, this borderland, is a borderland that John the Baptist knew all too well. It's a borderland between kingdoms, where John the Baptist lived in the wilderness, where his prophecies took shape. In the canticle that was sung so beautifully this morning, the song of Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, speaks of this borderland in a different sort of way. It is the borderland, the tension between the present glory coming to the people and the glory as they already have it in the prophets and in the saving history of God in the past. But when Zechariah says the Lord has come, the Lord has set his people free, it's a bold claim. How is it possible to say that when we have so much evidence to the contrary? How is it possible to treat this as a present and living reality? To shed a little light on this, there's a quote that I'll share with you from James Cone, theologian who wrote in his 1969 book, now a classic, very important work, Black Theology and Black Power. He wrote, the good news is that God in Christ has freed us. 
We need no longer be enslaved by alien forces. The battle was fought and won on Good Friday, and the triumph was revealed to humanity at Easter. Though the decisive battle against evil has been fought and won, the war, however, is not over. People of the new age know that they are free, but they must never lose sight of the tension between the now and the not yet. This is the tension of Advent, the now and the not yet, the time of announcement and preparation. The kingdom is here, the Lord has drawn near, and yet we are still waiting. And so seasonally, theologically, liturgically, however we approach it, Advent is to invite us to live more fully into this space, this tense, contradictory space where a great deal of truth is revealed. Borrowing from another person, Bill Countryman, who's an Episcopal priest and a biblical studies professor, who's now retired, who wrote about this borderland living in a book called Living on the Border of the Holy. And he says the following, This border country is a place of intense vitality. It does not so much draw us away from the everyday world as it plunges us deeper into a reality of which the everyday world is like the surface. To live there for a while is like having veils pulled away. In the long run, we find that the border country is in fact the place we have always lived, but it is seen in a new and clearer light. Stay at the border in active conversation with the holy and the everyday. And that's the end of the quote. This peeling away of the veils, this living in conversation with the holy, this is preparing the way of the Lord. It is by this new vision that the paths are made straight, the valleys lifted up, the mountains and hills are brought low. It demands action, it demands our lives. But it starts with the reorientation that we hear preached this morning by John in baptism. So this reorientation is an attention to the glory breaking in around us all the time. Just as the beauty of creation is always present, seemingly just out of reach, the same is true with the kingdom God. It is just there, just at our fingertips. I will not suddenly see the world more beautifully with a new camera, and we will not suddenly find ourselves in the kingdom of God ready to start on that day. It starts now. It starts new every morning. The Lord has come to set his people free. Look for the kingdom. Listen for the kingdom. Be transformed in the space between, and then begin again. Amen.